hello, hello, and welcome to Salon Stories, the podcast about the uh, salon industry and uh, the people behind it. Um, I'm your host, Josh Reese, and uh, usually I'd have Kelly with me, but uh, the enigma that she is, she's, uh, well, she's not here, so I can say what she was like. So uh, let's say this week she's raving with the Queen. Why not? Um, So this week with me, uh, I have a very exciting guest. We're sort of staying with the business theme. I have Peter Watson here, uh, Managing Director of... And I hope I get this right because I've, I've got a really bad habit of <laughs> getting this sort of thing wrong. Um, is it uh, Distract? It's good you know that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good start as well. <laughs> yeah, so we're an advertising agency working with uh, kind of ambitious brands right through to national um, national market leading brands. So from your, your startup through to the household name and everything in between. Fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak with us, especially in the sauna that is our makeshift recording booth at the moment. Uh, so I just wanted to start basically like with the basics, like who you are and how you got there. So um, you look about my age, if I'm honest. Do you mind me asking how old you are? 27. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> exactly 27 myself. Okay, cool. And you're the managing director of your own company. How? How'd you get there? Um, I'll, I'll give you a quick summary because that probably doesn't interest most people listening. But um, I started business when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my first business. It was a complete disaster, made about five pounds. Uh, and then I've just kind of been hitting businesses as I've gone through, uh, developing every single time. I, I always see entrepreneurship and business as like a, a staircase and that every single one you go into essentially allows you to get to the next stage and the next mm-hmm. stage and the next stage. So I've done everything from um, I have the largest database of how to install and how to remove car radios. I have 150 videos. Okay. Uh, do 20,000 views a day. Um, I have a car audio store, which the view count sells the parts. Um, I have Distract, which is an advertising agency. I have a recruitment company called Executives. I've just bought uh, Fletcher Longstaff, which is the market-leading conveyancing company in the UK. Uh, about to launch a online mortgage company. Um, and probably some of the things I've forgotten, to be honest. But um, <laughs> essentially, our core business is advertising. Uh, I live and breathe advertising. It's where I really am, why I'm really here today, if I'm mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, and we have a team of 20 guys and girls in our office that manage campaigns with small budgets, big budgets, and everything in between. And the, the key focus of everything we do is innovation, mm-hmm. um, pushing boundaries, trying to find the next big breakthrough. Um, for example, this week we've just partnered up with TikTok as put one of their partner agencies to roll out their new ad- advertising platform. And those sort of things really allow us to stay on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then myself as an entrepreneur, the game plan is to utilize the the advertising agency itself to create new businesses, recruitment, conveyancing, mortgages, etc. So that's kind of a, a nutshell um, roundup, I suppose. But mm-hmm. you know, I, if anyone listening, if they want any like, inspiration from this, you know, like uh, I've had no inheritance. You know, I'm one of these kids that's just grafted from the ground up. My first yeah. job was at Halfords. You know, so no, there's no sort of um, quick win in this game. It's all just getting started, putting one foot foot in front of the other, and trying to grow as you go. So, I mean, you say, I, mean, I can clearly hear the passion in your voice. You, you live and breathe advertising. Have you always like, seen that as, a, as an avenue? When did that start? So when I was 16, I was working at Halfords. Um, I was doing a business course, but that's kind of beside the point. And then I launched my business and it failed. And the reason it failed was because I knew nothing about marketing and advertising. And mm-hmm. there's so many great businesses and brands out there that simply are brilliant businesses, but they just can't market themselves. And it's one of those business, one of those aspects where if you can't get marketing right, there's no point in even having a business. Yeah. Um, so I went to start the next business and I really found that I was just obsessed with the marketing and I was using Google ads, YouTube ads, and just really loving what was happening in the marketing space. And then I went to, then I, then I created these videos of how to remove car radios. And if you type in anything, how to remove 
a voxel course, a radio, or anything of that ilk, my video will be number one on every, mm -hmm. pretty much everything. Uh, and you'll probably in some of them hear my voice giving the tutorial. And then I really understood that when you've got 15,000, 20,000 people looking at your content every day, um, you can do something with that audience. And it allowed me then to create a store to sell car audio parts. And when I did that and I saw the revenues, I put two and two together and thought, actually, what I have here is an amazing uh, marketing stream that's creating the business. The business actually was pretty crap. We were mm -hmm. more expensive than everyone else by about five times the rate. Uh, our customer service was pretty crap because I was uh, working another job. So the actual business itself was awful, but the marketing was phenomenal, which made it profitable. Uh, and then from that point, I went to university to do marketing, mm -hmm. uh, realized that those that can't do teach, uh, that's terrible. I'm not gonna say that. But I realized at that point that the the techniques they're teaching at university were like three years, four years, five years out of date, uh, and I had to then go back and and learn all this stuff myself. And when I graduated um, between second and third year, I launched the Distract Agency, what it is today, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just grown ever ever since. We went from me and Brad, my business partner, to twenty staff in the five year period, um, with no investment, just self investment the whole way. Yeah. Um, have you got any advice for starting out when you're looking at marketing and like how to stand out in the crowd? So one of the things I've noticed um, is that you could be the most passionate individual of all time and you can mm. know your craft. So you could be the best, I don't know, hairdresser in the world, right? But if you don't understand the basics of business and the basics of marketing, then unfortunately it's game over. So um, I'll answer your question twofold. The solution to this is we launched a business called Featured Limited and it's featured.co.uk. Mm -hmm. And what we essentially do is we invest um, chunks of cash to find amazing employees that just want to start their own business. And for example, I'm negotiating a deal now, which is an estate agent, amazing estate agent, been an estate agent for 10 years, mm -hmm. wants to start their own business, but is scared to quit their job because they'll lose their income, yep. has no cash to get the business started and knows nothing about business, but they're a great estate agent. So what do I say to them? I'll say, look, okay, I'll guarantee your salary for the next six months. I'll invest all the infrastructure. So I'll, you know, I'll get the location you need, the marketing you need. I'll mm. buy, I'll build the website, do all the marketing for free. So all you have to do now is focus on being an estate agent. And what I mean by that is for anyone that's listening to this is collaborative partnerships are absolutely phenomenal. I um, am a rah-rah entrepreneur that does things like podcasts and gets filmed and does all these things. Um, but my actual nitty-gritty doable, you know, the, the graft, uh, I need a business partner to do that. And, and Brad, who's my business partner, is a phenomenal details man, understands mm -hmm. everything there is to do about business and keeps me on track. So when I walk away from something and go, actually, we're going to start a e-learning business, which we've started. Um, I go to Brad, we're going to start an e-learning business. He gets the, the company registered, the shares agreements done, the bank account set up, the trademark done, did it all done. And I, before I've even like thought about that we need to do that stuff. And I think that many people try and be solo entrepreneurs. And I think it's a very, very lonely place. And I think that many people listening to this need to go out and try and find their creative partners. And um, mm -hmm. the second part of that, that uh, question is that I think everyone needs to start thinking in a content-based world. And what I mean by that is, if we go back five, 10 years ago, when Facebook was just a thing, mm -hmm. um, there was massive brands built on nothing but Facebook likes. And Hype Clothing is a perfect example of that, which is a brand that was built purely on Facebook followers. And now Facebook organically is terrible. Um, their business has slightly plateaued uh, slightly, but it was built on the first mover advantage of understanding that Facebook was a place to be. Yep. And I think that many people who are in the salon game need to start thinking in a content perspective, how can they bring eyeballs to their platform or how can they bring eyeballs to their content so that they then can sell the service? 
if I was in the salon right now, I'd be creating a YouTube series called In the Salon, and it would be a I'd hire a cameraman on twenty five grand a year, twenty grand a year, and he would just film constantly and upload to YouTube. That's what I would do. I believe that if you made it cool enough, edgy enough, banter enough, they understand the human the the, the human aspect of the business, uh, the banter, you'll get more people coming to your salon. I guarantee it. Almost like your own web reality show. Damn right. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think that people people are scared to make these big boy decisions, but the reality is when you make them, uh, it can go one of two ways. It can either win or it can lose. And far too many people find out reasons why I think can lose rather than find reasons why they can win. And, and for my whole mm. career, and I always try and get our clients to think this way, is I want you to think about the, the ways this potentially could win big for you rather than the ways it could, it could lose tinily. I mean, yeah. when you asked me what I do, I didn't go through the 12 businesses that failed, right? Yeah. I didn't do that. I went through the businesses that succeed. And I think people forget that every great person you've ever seen doing anything has probably failed about five times as much as they've won. Mm-hmm. But they just don't talk about those aspects. And I think that's more salon owners or any of the businesses need to think about. The hair, I mean, the hair and beauty industry um, can often be uh, a very oversaturated industry. There's, I mean, you can walk down streets and there's four or five different places on the same place. We've got um, down my place, we've got three, I think it's like three salons of barbers, like within 10 shops of each other. Like, it's just insane. So, I mean... Um, is there a particular way you can stand out maybe on, on the street? Like I know we talked about like online presence, which is massively important in today's market, but pre COVID and before everyone was like um, scared to go outside, like, is there, is there a way you can connect with the community offline as well? So, um, when we started doing our investments, people started saying to me, Pete, why are you investing in recruitment? Why mm-hmm. are you investing in online conveyance? And why are you investing in mortgages? Right. And because these are saturated markets, these are markets that there's so many people, there's so many recruiters out there. Uh, why do you do that? And, and my answer to all these questions like you just asked there is, all you have to be in any business mm-hmm. is 1% better than everyone else. And you win. Because if it comes down to anything else, I mean, you're 1% better. You're better. Yeah. And I think that far too people try and think about ways how they can be so much better, so much greater, so much... In most salons, having an online booking system is a fucking revelation. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean yes, like yeah, yeah. it's crazy so I think that people try and think about these crazy ways that they can be so much better than everyone else and they can stand out from the four that are next to them I think people need to understand they're getting the basics right first and you'll probably be better than everyone else the recruitment business started a week into lockdown mm-hmm. worst time to start a recruitment company yep week into lo- no one's recruiting they're all furloughed right this is the truth but we're profitable from month two right okay yeah, yeah and, and, and the reason is is because we just did things slightly different our brand was slightly better our marketing was a bit more intelligent we made creative partnerships to get more leads in mm-hmm. and i think the the, the the big answer to that question is simply look at your business look at their businesses and find out how you can be one percent better that's it just one percent better and you will win almost like i suppose if you're a music teacher you only need to be like one lesson ahead of your people i guess it's it's those tiny margins i think actually the most competitive market in the uk actually is the advertising world you need okay. no qualifications to get started. Anyone tomorrow can start an agency. There's freelancers coming out of every single angle on Upwork, you know, all these random online pay people per hour that can mm-hmm. get something for cheaper from India. That is competitive. So how do you build an advertising agency that is better than everyone else's? Well, first of all, I disregard pricing. I'm not price competitive at all. I'm far, far more expensive than everyone else. So every time I sit down and go, well, I'm more expensive than everyone else, but I have this, 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 that's better. Mm-hmm. You can decide. You can go and get the £12.28 um, Indian advertiser if you want 
or you can come to us and pay 80, 90 pounds an hour. I don't mind, it's up to you. But when you start making decisions where you go, this is my rate, this is my service, this is my unique selling point, if you want it, come in, if you don't leave, I think that's when you make bigger decisions. And I think that far too many people are, are scared around making big decisions because they might piss someone off or lose a customer. Yeah. When actually, it's about staying one step ahead. And I, I always ask the, ask the question this with a lot of clients is, if you ask the average advertising agency person what the hourly rate is, they would say 50 to 60 pounds an hour. If you ask the average hairdresser what their, I don't know, their average cut would cost, there'd be a, another fee that's similar, right? And mm -hmm. I asked the question, why is it that fee? Why is your fee the fee? Yeah. And no one can ever answer it. And the reason they can't answer it is because it's everyone, it's, oh, it's because everyone charges that. Yeah, I'm like, thinking about it now. Yeah. I can't come up with an answer. You can't. No one can no. because why do, we, why do we pay? Like, why is a bottle, why is a bottle of water worth a quid? Like, who made that decision? Yeah. We made that decision because everyone's charging a quid, so therefore it's a quid. So I think that people need to start um, taking a hold of their businesses a bit more and, and start making more intelligent decisions. Um, our recruitment business is far more expensive than other recruitment businesses. Um, we still get sales we get, um, because we are, we use AI technology, machine learning technology. We'd be able to find candidates no one else can find. You know, you can differentiate yourself. And I think that there's so many little uh, little tweaks and turns and adjustments you can make in your business that, that, that keeps you one step ahead. Um, but everyone's too scared to make those decisions because it might mean increasing their prices and annoying a few people. Mm. And it's just as simple as that. Hello there again, it's just Josh interrupting Josh by the sounds of it. I uh, just wanted to tell you about uh, our sponsor, hairdressingsupplieslincoln.com, one of the largest wholesalers in the country. Uh, you can go there for all your uh, salon needs. You've got dyes, you've got uh, sundries like capes, uh, peroxides, foils, all sorts of things. And here's producer Alice to give you a cheeky little code. If you go to the website and use the code POD5, that's P-O-D-5, and you'll get 5% off your order. How about that? That sounds pretty good, producer Alice. I know. So, go to hairdressingsupplieslincoln.com, use the code POD5, that's P-O-D-5, get yourself 5% off your entire order. Now, back to the show. Um, has, has there ever been a moment where you've, you've second-guessed yourself or you thought, actually, is this, is this the right path for me? Is this the right career? When I was, um, how old was I? 17, maybe? I, um, I, well, before I was 16, I was so insecure. I was like the most insecure kid you could ever imagine. Like, I, you know... Uh, if you put the 14 year old me and how I am now together, you'd be like, it's mad. Like I was speaking in front of like 500 people. Like mm -hmm. um, I was I was getting flew out. It's it actually quite funny when Northern Italy got locked down, I was maybe talking in Northern Italy. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so the, 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 where I am today is so far different than where I was when I was 14, 15. Yeah. And I remember really distinctly um, that, you know, all my friends got their cars paid for them. Cause I'm, I, I got brought up in Cambridge, but I wasn't the Cambridge typical, like my friends were. Yeah. So my, par my, my parents were like, if you want a car, well, my dad actually, because my mom died when I was seven. And I went out and tried to afford my own car by, yeah. by, by working, you know, that, that thing that makes money. Whereas a lot of my <laughs> friends, they would just get given their cars. Uh, and I remember I worked really hard for this car one day. Someone crashed into it when I was in there, left a fake phone number and I had to go and work again to pay for it back. Yeah. Whereas my friend's parents, like one of them wrote his car off and got another one for six grand. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's kind of what I was around when I was growing up. And I remember... Uh, after I tried to call that phone number to say, look, you know, you crashed my car, what's your insurance details? Uh, I remember I was doing my teeth and just brushing in, in the mirror, just like, looking at myself. And I, at that point, I must have been 17, 18, let's say 18, brushing my teeth and I just thought to myself, I no longer care. I no longer care what people's opinions are. I no longer care what people think about me. I no longer care. I'm just going to go and be me. 
uh, do what I think's best and, and, and follow whatever journey that is. And honestly, since that day, I've not really cared what people think. There really was that one single yeah, and, and people, And I've even got the picture, because my dad moved house about six months ago. I took a picture of the mirror because I was like, I need to take a picture of this before yeah, yeah. Like, I forget. And that's your place. Yeah, and, and honestly, I genuinely speaking have been completely confident in my myself. And I really believe that the reason I am sat here doing what I do right now is because at that point, I just stopped caring about people's opinions. And yeah. I implore everyone who's slightly self-conscious, slightly worried, just to have that conversation with yourself and go, actually, why do I care what that person who I probably won't even know in two years thinks of me? Why do I have that uh, friend who puts me down every single day? Like, why do you have these? Rela- it makes no sense to me because yeah. when you're trying to do something so great in your mind that you cannot have an ounce of negativity, you can't sit there and, and doubt yourself that, oh, am I doing the right thing here? Is this the right investment? Is this the right uh, partner? Or You can't have these things. You have to be so focused on the big vision. Um, otherwise, it will just never work. And uh, do I ever doubt myself? Yeah, sometimes I doubt myself, absolutely. But I, I, I truly believe that the path I'm on is the right direction. And you know, if I trip over a, a stick on the way, it doesn't really bother me, you know, mm. um, because we're winning in so many different aspects. If I drop a ball there, it doesn't really matter to me. And yeah, I doubt myself sometimes, but you know, we're talking like 30 seconds before you shake yourself out of it and go, yeah. come on, Pete, you've been backing yourself for like 10 You're years only now, human mate. At the end you know, of you just keep going. So yeah, everyone doubts themselves. Um, but the faster you can get out of that, the, the quicker you'll win, I think. Do you think that confidence has been like a pivotal part of your business success? Imagine being a 21 year... So when I was uh, 19, I was at the board table of Halford's with the CEO, the CMO, the um, head of uh, training and development, and I was like 19. And when you're in those decisions, if you have an ounce of lack of confidence, yeah. you're out. Your, you're out your depth because you know Matt Davis is now the CEO. He was CEO of Tesco last time I checked, and you know these these guys are big hitters. And you know, you've got to be confident with yourself at those points. And then you know when I've so I pitched the largest vet practice in the UK the other day, and you know, when you're pitching their their CMOs and marketing directors, you can't have an ounce of lack of confidence in yeah. these scenarios because you just won't get it. Um, or when we've got the largest union in the UK, 600,000 members, I'm talking to their marketing director, you can't, you've got to be focused. Um, so I think that without the level of confidence, without, you know, uh, severe discipline, I suppose, no chance. But then it comes down to other aspects of life. Like I know when I'm, not burning out is the wrong word, but I know when I'm about to flag. Yeah. Like, um, Lockdown was a nightmare for me. For five weeks, I was working longer hours. I was getting more done. And then I just noticed that I started just to flag. And I, I kind of almost spotted it in myself. And I was like, right, I need to do more exercise. I need to stop running again. I need to get out of this. So I went back to the office. I changed, I went to move in with my dad. I was doing these things to try and revigorate um, from lockdown. Yeah. Um, because you have to understand where you are as a person. Like, um, a week ago, I was like, I'm getting stuffy again. I'm getting stuffy. So I was like, right, I need to start increasing how far I run. And yeah. I just shut myself out of it. And I, and I kind of know myself. I know how to fix the, the issues I'm about to go through. Like I know if I'm starting to slog down, it's going to start affecting work. It's going to start affecting personal life. How do I get out of this? Right, run 10K rather than five today, Pete. And it gets me out of it. So I think people have to understand who they are a lot more. Because, you know, in this game, like, I, I literally see life as a game. Like I literally yeah. see it as a game. And the relationships you make form the where you go in the game and what you buy is the investments you make in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing you really have is is yourself. Um, and you have to focus on making sure that you're focused. You have to focus on making sure that you're healthy. You have to focus on making sure that you are in the best position you are. Otherwise, there is no chance because there is someone else who's got the same business size-wise, same team size same client size-wise, who will just eat you alive if you're slightly off balance. Uh, and I think people forget that. 
I'm honest, in this game we call life, I am glad we don't have to deal so much with loot crates and paid DLC. It's all just there when, <laughs> when you start. <laughs> uh, I mean, we obviously your confidence has got you quite far. I think there's there's no denying that. But was there ever a point where like, you felt like you weren't being taken as seriously as you should have been because of your age? Yeah, uh, all the time. You know, you'd go into pitches and... If someone recommends you and they don't know who you are, so mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, Pete from Distract, you need to speak to him about marketing. And they, what are they going to say? Probably like a 38-year-old marketing director. They've got director. a picture in their mind. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, everyone has a uh, a vision of who they think is going to come to a meeting before they arrive. Like, it's just fact. Like, you'd have had a, if you hadn't done any Googling, you'd have mm-hmm. been like, I think Pete's going to be this. Yeah. And then when I turned up, you might have been like, oh, he looks nothing like the person <laughs> I thought he was. Yeah. And I think that, um, so that definitely happened. But then you've got two options, right? You can either go, oh, no. They're not taking me seriously. Or you can be like so good that they have no option but to take you seriously. And I've always, um, we call it the snowflake generation is often talked a lot at the moment. And yeah. I am, I am, I try and force myself to be the polar opposite of the snowflake generation. Like I am anything but, like I don't really care if I get punched in the ribs a few times. Like I'm going to call that a life lesson. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of how I've always gone about it. So if someone doesn't take me seriously, I'm like, okay, cool, man, you lose. Uh, in two years' time, you'll probably give me a call anyway when this all fails. Yeah. So I, I've, I've have a, I have a scenario in my head for every negative that possibly could happen to make sure that I stay on track in the right direction. This lockdown thing um, took took some revenue off us straight away, affected some investments, but also it made some investments. Some brands that went bust because of it, okay. like you know we could buy out for cheaper than we were originally going to buy them out for. And so I see the negative. Oh yeah, it's unfortunately it's affected some revenue, uh, but actually it's allowed me to do that, that, and that as well. And maybe it's maybe realise more about family values. And you know mm. I'm finding like every positive there's possibly to find. Um, and that's just who I am now. But it, I never was that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it, I I truly believe that everyone can become whatever they need to be. Um, they just have to work hard enough at it, really. Absolutely. Um, we're sort of coming to, I keep, I keep catching myself saying the end of the pandemic's absolutely not, uh, but the end of lockdown, or at least it feels like we're getting to some semblance of normality now. Um, but the reality of the, the global and national economic situation is unavoidable. Like we're heading for a massive recession. It's likely to affect most of us for the rest of our lives. Um, is there a way in which you think like um, salons, particularly the smaller branches, are the ones that aren't like your, your chains and your Tony guy and that sort of thing? Like, is there a way, something they can do to uh, help themselves financially going forward? Uh, well, the, 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 the final question there was Mint, which is financially moving forward. Uh, I think every single business owner, okay, it's a broad stroke, 80% of business owners in the UK uh, live hand to mouth. Yep. And uh, they pay themselves overinflated salaries um, because they believe they're worth it, even though uh, basic cap- levels of capitalism explain to yourself that if you make more profit, you're probably worth it. So don't squeeze your, squeeze your bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And I've never, ever paid myself stupidly. Um, in years where I could have paid myself four times I paid myself, I didn't. And uh, I always pay myself last. So the way our business works is July 31st is the end of our financial year. Mm-hmm. The 1st of August, I pay myself. Okay. So I pay myself after yeah. everything. Um, and the reason I do that is because, you know, if the business isn't making money, for example, um, why am I paying myself? I haven't, done, I haven't done my job. Yeah, that's on you. That's on me. That mm. ain't on anyone else. That's on me. So I, and I, even though you could look at profits per month and pay yourself, I don't think that's right. So I, we always pay ourselves dividends right at the end of the financial year to make sure that, you know, we've done our job properly and it keeps us focused. Um, and I think far too business owners don't do that. They'll be like, oh, I want to pay myself £38,000 a year. And they will take them take out thirty eight thousand pound a year divided by twelve every single month, mm-hmm. even if their business was only making twenty five thousand pound profit. Right. 
and, and what we've done as a business is we've been making, you know, um, six figure profit. And what we'll do is go, right, so we're going to put 50% of that in the company and then 50% left, maybe we'll take 25% of it for sal- from mine and Brad's salary. And then the other 25% of it can go on innovations, reinvestments, et cetera. So we've always been the small uh, profit in the pie. Yeah, We've always made sure that we're very defensive. And the reason we do that um, is twofold. The first one is when your back is against the wall financially, you make terrible decisions because mm-hmm. you're trying to find money quick. And I don't want to ever do that. Second of all, um, I don't really want to ever think or worry about money. I don't want to have to sit there and and worry financially about anything. And at the moment, I'm 27. Brad's 25. We've been doing this thing for about five years together now. Um, and I've my lifestyle, my my living, how I've built my livelihood has been built around a very mediocre salary. Yeah. Which means when I make big money, well, where does it go? Well, it goes into investments, buying companies. It goes into things because I don't need anything. What do I need? Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, a lot of people need to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, what the fuck do you need? You got a ceiling. You got Netflix. You good? What do you need? Yeah. And I think people, um, when they work hard, this is mainly solo entrepreneurs, which is why I always say try and collaborate, is because they're working hard, they want to show it to someone. Okay. You know, like you, like uh, they've got something to prove. Yeah, like you know, maybe you, maybe you play at the darts team, right? And um, you know, they all know he's a managing director, and you go down there and they go, "Oh, how's business?" And they can see they got an Aston Martin in the drive, right, or something like that. Well, they know they think you're doing well. Yeah. When actually it could be a highly leveraged, financed uh, Aston Martin, <laughs> and and your business could be on the rocks. Yeah. And we laugh, but COVID wiped out those people. Yeah. Because if their livelihood was built on finance and you know, they weren't really making much money. What's going to happen is when this furlough thing stops and these grants stop, these people are put out of business. Yeah. And that's basic levels of capitalism. So that's the first one. The second thing is innovate. And there's a really cool business that I want everyone to look at called, I think it's called Trimit. Um, and it's a guy in London. He set up a essentially an Uber for uh, barbers. So it's not salons yet, okay. but barbers. And he's, I think he's got beauticians going now, but basically a big van with a big seat in there. Uh, and it, and you book on an app and it drives around and it does mobile you know, beauticians, okay, yeah, wherever, yeah, wherever cool. it is. Um, and he raised about half a million quid and it's going phenomenally well. Now, we could sit there and be like, oh no, COVID is going to shut me down. Or you could start going, actually, what restrictions am I going to have in place if this happens again? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what can I do differently to make sure that I can pull through? Um, and I think no one really had, I mean, of course, no one had it before this because who could have, guess they yeah, no pandemic, one knew this right? was coming yeah. but now we know right and you know you can be all conspiracy theory and be like oh it was sent from China or whatever <laughs> and, and let's say it was sent from China which I don't think it well who the fucking knows let's say it was sent from China <laughs> you know this could happen again yeah. this could be how world wars are now fought which means it's going to happen to again, again and again and again so prepare now that this could happen again or um, you read the reports and say actually these flu viruses actually could be more common in the next 10 years okay you know it's going to happen again prepare now yeah absolutely and I, I think that, that a lot of business owners have blinkers on and think oh no um, we'll get through this and we'll come out the other side if a second wave happens in October November which is what their rumours are yeah. uh, I can't see the government bailing everyone out again well we can't afford to can we so I think we're going to have maybe regional lockdowns without without much grant funding. And I think if that is the case, then people will go... Under. We're losing a lot of independence, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. So so that's why, you know, I, I, and I said this to my dad and I often have these deep conversations with him where I'm like, I'm simply proud of myself for not taking those stupid salaries when I could. Yeah. Because I can sit on the air on a podcast and not worry about the monthly payroll which was i don't know yesterday you know what yeah. i mean like, i don't have to worry about this stuff you could you future proofed yourself yeah and um, i think that's what many if you go into the business game it's 
and you know, this estate agent had a conversation with that was sorting out this deal. I said to him, look, I want to know the minimum amount of money you can live on every single month mm-hmm. because that is what you get paid. Because any more is what, well, why? I suppose if, you, if your heart's in it, you, you shouldn't have a problem with giving everything to the project, should mm. you? Yeah, and, and look, no one's in business to start. Some, no one's in business to have a business that pays them the minimum they need to live on. Mm. But unfortunately, for the first 12 to 24 months, you're going to have to do that. And then hopefully for the next 30 years, you won't have to. Yeah, have you got a plan for like an Aston Martin or a Ferrari or anything like that? So, you keep it modest yeah, so, no, so speaking really truthfully, I, I went to look at um, a Porsche in um, February. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, the before times. Yeah, oh, yeah, lovely. <laughs> um, and uh, I was going to look at it. I was going to get it. I was going to see how the end of the financial year came. January, you know, June, uh, July 31st. I was going to see how we got on. And now I'm, I, I was thinking, loads of great, great deals now on cars, I'll mm. tell you that. Um, so I've been looking again, but I thought I'm not going to see what's going to happen until October. And truthfully, I'm going to see what's happening in February next year, to be honest, because yeah. I, don't, I think it's going on for a long time. And I think that anyone who has been splashing the cash is going to deeply regret it, mm. um, deeply regret it. And, and, and the phrase, there's more millionaires creating downturns than upturns, for me, means if you've got cash right now, There'll be a lot of underpriced assets. There'll be a lot of businesses that you can buy out. If anyone's listening to this um, this podcast in the East Midlands region that wants an investor for a salon that's struggling, I genuinely call me because that's all we're doing. We're just looking for underpriced assets or assets that need some marketing support or some extra growth support that we can chuck some money in, whack a marketing team in and help it grow. Um, the recruitment business is no mistake. The reason that's done so well is obvious. You know, you get a recruiter who's really good at his job. You get a marketer who's really good at his job. You put both together and you get a good business. Um, the mortgage company is a no-brainer. I've got a um, I've got an estate agent with 22 branches, so mm-hmm. he sends roughly uh, 10 leads a day. I've got a marketing agency in me, and I've got a mortgage broker. Put the three together, I've got a mortgage firm. So this is all we're doing now is just finding obvious areas that we know there's demand for, putting a couple of people together that know what they're doing, and making a business. Uh, and our plan for the next three, four years is just to bang them out. So we've done six in lockdown. Uh, it's just a roll them out, roll them out, roll them out. And then once we start making stupid money cash flow wise, because it's all cash flow businesses, we don't sell them. Uh, then I'll do a stupid business in some tech company that I don't care if I lose money on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but while I'm young, I need a return for my money. So I'm doing these no brainer projects, to be honest. Makes absolute sense. Um, well, obviously, we're, we're seeing like a huge rush at, in the industry at the moment. Um, Post lockdown, everyone panicking. I mean, obviously not me. Uh, the listeners, you, you can't see, but the, the hair is appalling. It's all <laughs> different lengths as well. I've sort of committed to not having a haircut for the rest of the year, which the girlfriend is very happy about. I'm not, but so hot. Um, but have you got any like, like tips or advice for how like salons can um, keep their like client retention levels high going forward and make them more comfortable or feel safer in coming out? I think that you're going to have to, first of all, make sure you've invested in the latest tech. Um, yeah. Tech is going to play a huge part. Um, try and get long-term bookings in. Um, probably basic stuff now for sounds, but I know there's some that just aren't doing it. Um, second thing is make sure you're very much banking your cash. I, for me, I would be taking minimum salaries right now if I was yeah. a salon owner and banking cash because I don't know if there'll be another bailout and I would be very concerned people... You've got uh, to assume there's not going to be... A you've got to assume the worst, right? So when it, when lockdown happened, I assumed straight away there'll be nothing. No fellow, no government grant, no nothing. So I was like, right... What do I have on contract? What's the end date of these contracts? And I could cash flow it out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I actually planned out if I lost 50% of my client bank, how long could we last for? And I was yeah. doing all these sums. So you've got to plan for the worst. Otherwise, you'll just cry when it actually happens. So if mm-hmm. you plan it, it doesn't sound too worrying. You know, you, you know what you've got. Um, and then the second, second of all thing is that relationships are key. 
Uh, relationships is going to be the thing that drives you through. And um, if you can prove to people that you're COVID safe, COVID secure, I call it, which is a video of you cleaning stuff, basically, yeah. uh, then it's going to put you in great stead. And then also, if you've got a great relationship, you can have a, the honest conversation with your clients and say, look, um, if we get locked down again and we'll have to do home visits, we can come around or we can do this or this and that. And you. So, so you're going to really have to start planning things out. If shit's the fan again, there's a solution for it. But I, I, I sat probably about two years ago and I thought there's, there's, there's numerous different businesses that I want to be involved with because um, they're guaranteed cash flow, cash flow, cash cows, right? And okay. one of them was barbers and hairdressers and salons, yeah. right? Hair just keeps on growing. Yeah, it just keeps growing. You get a good client back, you look after the client, they're there with you forever. And then COVID happened and they were locked down. Mm. So I think, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I think the, you know, there's not much you can do in these scenarios apart from plan, get used to tech and try and build better relationships really. Something that we uh, that we often do um, with our different clients is, is um, clients different guests. Sorry, on the podcast is talk about uh, salon horror stories. Um, it doesn't look like you, you, you keep your hair. Pretty I simple. have one. Oh, you do. You have, I a, have one. I, yeah. I was going to say, have you got like a, a different like a business related? But go for it. I got two actually. The bigger one was um, recently actually in Lincoln. Um, um, and name and shame, or are we gonna? I'm not gonna name shame because, <laughs> okay, still, because what happened was I really needed a haircut because all my mates were coming up for a night out from yep. uni. Come from uni here, all my mates come up for a night out, and I was like, just gonna go for a quick trip. And my normal barber, um, she she wasn't uh, free. I couldn't get into a can, so I thought, you know what? It's a decent barber. They're gonna have decent, mm. yeah. They're gonna have decent you people. Trust someone else. Trust there. them. So I booked in with this guy. Don't know his name. Didn't save it. Put it that way. And um, <laughs> didn't save his number. Yeah. Uh, and I went in there, and it seemed seemingly did a really great job. So I was like, cheers, mate. They went, went home. Uh, lads came down, uh, went a night out, thought nothing of it. Yeah. Next day, I'm walking through uh, town. It was around you know, Thor's teepee when that tent thing came up. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the next day, we're all there having that like, hot chocolate and stuff. Um, my girlfriend's mate's down. We're all chilling, whatever. And I go to get another uh, drink from the bar. And as I get up, I come back and they go, Pete, you've got a massive tuff at the back of your hair. Like a massive like lump of hair, like at the just back. That had not been touched. Well, I don't know. It was like it was just like squared off. Like <laughs> it was like it was Did like. Did you rat. do something to the barber? And and I was like, what? So they took a picture, and it was not. It was awful. Like gen- I've never. I, I like rang at the barber and I was like, no mate, yeah, you cut my hair and it- no, that's why I Instagrammed them actually, saying look, you know, I've had a bit of a nightmare. I look like SpongeBob SquarePants because it- honestly, it was bad. <laughs> And she was like, oh, call us up. I was like, so I called up. I said, look, mate, you did my hair yesterday. Like, you know, um, no hate or anything, but I think you just messed up the back of it. Like, yeah. you know, and he goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, you've, you've messed up the back. I just immediately defensive. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, look, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be quite frank with you. My girlfriend says I look like I've got SpongeBob SquarePants on the back of my head. He goes, oh, really? It shouldn't be like that. I was like, I don't think it should have been like no. that. No. <laughs> um, so anyway, I went in and uh, he sorted it out. And um, it wasn't great still, but I uh, never went there again. I went back to the lady, the same lady, and I told her. And she was like, why were you in here the other day? I was like, well, one of your lads, like, he couldn't cut air. Mm. Uh, and she was like, oh, it's all right. It was his, he only had two weeks left. He was getting sacked anyway. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I don't think I, met, I, don't think I fired him. very unlucky. But I think he was like on his way out, do you know what I mean? And he was yeah, just, yeah. Fucking, just banging him out. So, so yeah, SpongeBob was my, it's probably a year ago, actually. So it wasn't that, it wasn't that far ago. No, I'm massive. I mean, it's embarrassing to say almost because I'm 27, but I'm a massive SpongeBob fan. But I, I can't imagine ever wanting to look like. Yeah, it's him. like just get, if you got SpongeBob SquarePants, put them upside down, and just stuck it to the back of my head is what their hair looked like. <laughs> yeah, that's mad. mad. I've had some bad haircuts myself. But they but took the mech. Like, um, the boys were just like, I was walking to the hairdressers, they were taking pictures, I was on the yeah, Insta- yeah. Instagram, I was on Snapchat, I was everywhere. Do you not have a hat? 
No, well, I was out, wasn't I? I was at Thor's teepee. I didn't know my back of my hair was crap. Oh, right, so you dealt with this like live. Oh, I, I was, you I was like... sorting this issue. <laughs> you know what I mean, I was from Thor to the hairdressers and I was dealt with. What, what, are we ending now? Uh, yeah, well, I, don't know. I, was gonna, you... I want to do a plug. That's all. Go for it, mate. Go for it. So I've got two plugs. First one is if you um, are a um, someone to start your own business, mm-hmm. right, or you have a salon that you're struggling a little bit, um, email me at pw at featured.co.uk um, because we could invest, could collaborate, could create something cool. Uh, I don't know. If you've got a cool idea for a new salon or whatever, just, just hit me up. Mm-hmm. East Midlands specifically, but anything else, just let me know. Um, I've always liked the industry. I've always thought there's a lot to be done in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's any cool people out there, hit me up. Second one is I actually have a weekly podcast as well. Um, Beyond the Journey, right? Yeah, Behind the Journey, which I've been doing for 70, I think I did my 75th episode today. Or yeah, today. So uh, if you um, like what I ramble on about, I basically document my whole journey every week. So I talk about what I've learned that week, what's coming up next week and any dramas, whatever in between. So that's called Behind the Journey. It's on all the main podcast things. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's pwatto, P-W-A-T-T-O. And that's, that's it. Fantastic. That's, that's my plug. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I mean, just before I let you go um, and escape the, the sauna. It's very hot in here. It's really hot. I'm really feeling it. And it's a black chair and I'm, I'm, I feel like I might make a... We're actually wearing <laughs> the same stuff. Yeah, I feel it's like kinda cool. we look pretty good. We, yeah. we look like we're in like some sort of boy band, like K-pop boy band. So, so what, one day I, I came into the office, must have been like two years ago. I was like, from now on, I'm wearing all black, everything every day because I don't want to have that, have that you decision. You've got like your sim outfit. Yeah, because I'm mm. like, I don't want to have to think about what I'm wearing every day. So it's got like five jumpers, five t-shirts, and three pairs of jeans. Are you familiar jeans. with Rooster Teeth? No. They're, they're a, a, an, an online entertainment um, industry that started in the States with Machinima um, using like a yeah, yeah, game yeah, to yeah. Make, uh, make stuff. But their, their, old, their founder, Bernie Burns, has exactly the same thing. Like he just, he had like five or six of the same two tops, always wore the same jeans, same cap. So, and I think it came from they used to like film shorts and stuff. So even if they need to do pickups one day, it didn't matter. You could just mm. do it. So yeah, it's cool that you got like your own. My girlfriend is obsessed with the Sims, so she would call it a Sim outfit. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. But I just do it because I don't want to. I have to think about it in the morning. It's easy for me. Well, I suppose uh, it's, it frees up that creative part of your mind as well to think I about get, other things. There's, there's probably some psychological aspect to it. I just couldn't bath. Probably have the thought process. But I've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed in the agency now, people are starting to wear more black. Oh, you're you trendsetter. But you're I, I'm not saying, I, mean, I wouldn't call it out the trendsetter. I haven't said it, right? But I'm noticing, okay. Mike, I had a PR. You're wearing all black today. Mm. I'm like, Brad, you're wearing all black today. And, and I'm like, I saw, um, I think it was uh, Liz. I was like, Liz, you're wearing all black today. I'm not calling them out on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if you start things, people do follow. <laughs> and they do follow. <laughs> even with black. I love the idea that secretly in your mind you're going, I can't believe, like, I'm controlling. Yeah. The, like, what happens if I just change to all white? How quickly can I get them it's all wearing two, white? It's taken two years, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, like... it's, it's quite a long project for such a little payoff, <laughs> then, isn't it? Uh, but like I said, before we let you go, um, I have one question that my dad, um, it forces me to ask everyone because yeah. it, it's a great way to get to know people. Um, I'm literally the son of a preacher, man. He's a, he's a minister, and he likes to get to know people with this uh, this question. Is if, there's, uh, if there's one thing about you that, that not enough people know, that you wish more people knew, what do you want them to know about you? Um, and it doesn't have to be business related. It could be personal. I don't know. I'm, I'm, so I guess, it, I guess it's this, that I am a introvert, no. right? Get out. I am. Okay. I, so after, for example, uh, after work today, I'll go home and I'll put my headset on and I'll play COD for a couple of hours mm-hmm. and then I'll probably like read a book 
um, and then I'll go to bed. Like I'm not into any social. I can't be arsed with it to be honest. Fair enough. Um, weekends I might do a little bit, but really, uh, people I, are hard work. I, people are annoying. <laughs> Like, no, they are like like it's true like you know Absolutely. it's just effort having there, to like yeah. make people feel good all the time do you know what I mean like <laughs> I've got because I, I don't want them to feel crap right so I'm always yeah. like trying to but I just like my own space mm-hmm. and um, it's quite hard for people to understand when they if they look at like speaking things I do and podcasts and uh, a vlog and YouTube and uh, putting content out on LinkedIn and you know doing stuff like this and they'll be like you know but it's like I have two specific sides to me. Like one is the business side, which has to be all rah-rah because if you aren't rah-rah these days, you ain't getting noticed. No. And it's called the key person of influence theory. That You've got to become a key person of influence in your industry to make any impact. And if you aren't, you'll be forgotten, uh, which is why I do all the crap I do because you have to be a key person of influence. I'm actually writing a book at the moment, which goes into like a bit more detail. Okay. And I hate writing. I got, a, <laughs> I got a C in English and I'm really bad at English. Like, so why are you doing this to yourself? To prove a point to myself, okay, um, that that whatever I want to do, I can just do it. Mm-hmm. And 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 look, it's a massive tangent now, but I, I generally believe that we all have things that we believe we can't do. Mm. And if I go back to you know year nine English, um, you know my teacher would have said you can't write a book, Pete. Yeah. And maybe she didn't verbally say it, but you can't write a book, Pete. You know it's kind of obvious here. So I'm just doing things that I think the you know a way out outside of my scope. That, that, that really like and I don't really care if one person buys it or no people buy it I really couldn't you just want to do it I'm just the fact that I'm writing a book now and uh, it's going to be published and I've got the cover designed and the content's reasonable and I'm going to bang it out there and it's about a theory that I created which integrates into the key person influence theory and about cracking on um, it's about being a niche influence and, and, and having 32 people that engage with all your content every day watch it all consume you know who you are it's far greater than 100,000 people watching something once mm-hmm. and it's something I really believe in it's exactly why we we are where we are today because if I do a speaking event and there's 200 chairs, 200 people will fill them, and they won't just fill them once; they'll fill them every single time I do a speaking event. If mm-hmm. I put a podcast out, I'll get pretty much the same amount of, of viewers um, listening all the time, and that's what I strive for. That's what everyone should strive for in business: is having massive loyalty in your consumer base, your audience, because that's all you need. Yeah, you know, a salon doesn't need 10,000 people to sign up and be a salon to be successful. They just need a few hundred probably, or a thousand. I don't know what they need, but they don't need many. No. And we're, we're obsessed in this generation of view counts and reach and audience size. When actually, we don't need any of it. We literally need 112 people. Um, so, for example, I've got, I think it's about 60 clients, 65 clients, 70 clients. Okay. It's not a huge number, but I've got 20 people employed by it. Yeah. So all I need, as a business owner, is 70 absolutely raving fans. Mm-hmm. They'll buy anything we put out as an agency, and I've got a business that has 20 staff employed. Yeah. And I think that's forgotten along the way. I don't know how we got into that, but that's, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. It was a pleasure. Thank you ever so much for, for coming and spending so, so much time in the sauna. I, I hope you don't have to <laughs> sort of waft yourself too much after this. I know I'm going to have to have a cold bath <laughs> in about half an hour. Um, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Peter Watson. Um, one more time, where can they find you? Or like, If you need to interest for um, invest the email, I'll Instagram. I'll be on LinkedIn, so Peter Watson, mm-hmm. or go on Instagram, uh, pwatto. Um, but email me if you've got anything, any pressing question, which is pw at featured.co.uk. Um, but first of all, I want to say, like, it's amazing you're doing stuff like this because this is exactly what all brands should be doing, producing amazing content that goes to their audience and provides value um, because that's how you create your your, mm. your your audience that stay there forever. And we've been doing podcasts with loads of different clients and it works really well. So, like, well done to you guys. As well, oh, thank you. Well, if we haven't even a hand, we know where we can come because, you know, the podcasting stuff I'll as well. Oh, run because it's a sauna in here. <laughs> that's what, I promise we'll find a better room if we have you back another time. <laughs>
This episode of Salon Stories was sponsored by hairdressingsuppliesLincoln.com. It was edited by Josh Reist and produced by Alice Leonard. Don't forget to subscribe and please do give us a positive review as that really does help us out a lot. Uh, also, if you want to see a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram. That's at Salon Stories Pod. Thank you ever so much for listening and we'll see you next time for the next Salon Story. Salon Story.